This is a Kitty Pod production. Welcome to CR Crime, the only podcast that deals with stories of true crime as they happen in New York's capital region. I'm your host, Jason Bullitt. This week, we wrap up our two-part series on the 2004 Columbia High School shooting by focusing on the trial, such as it was, and conviction of John Romano. But first, a brief recap of the last episode, wherein we introduced several new characters into the mayhem and the aftermath. On the morning of February 9, 2004, former Columbia High School student John Romano went into the South Tower, packing heat, and while there were no fatalities, a teacher was hit in the struggle to disarm Romano and hold him until the police arrived. Romano was taken to the East Greenbush Police Station and arraigned early that evening. While last week's episode introduced the main characters, including Assistant Principal John Sawchuck, it was his immediate supervisor who was not initially present at the time, Principal Mike Zuzdal. Zuzdal had been a target of Romano's hatred prior to the shooting, though he wasn't mentioned as such in the latter suicide note. On that fateful morning, Zuzdal attended the regular meeting of the Suburban Council, that's the league in which Columbia sports teams compete, a fact not lost on your narrator as he's a Saratoga Springs alumnus, high school principals group in Latham. At 10.30, the meeting wrapped up, and Xuzdal went home to take migraine pills before heading to the high school for the rest of the day. However, his migraine meds would soon do him no good when he got a message from his secretary about the shooting. He immediately got back into his car and headed for the high school, getting there only after a roadblock where he was questioned and his car searched. On arrival, two SWAT team members escorted Xuzdal into the building, and when he pressed them on the situation, they didn't give him much in the way of info. Zuzdal was in search of Chris Lavin, the East Greenbush Chief of Police, and someone with whom he had a great working relationship. When Zuzdal saw Hank Kolakowski get hassled by an ATF agent, he walked up and gave him the business. The ATF agent, that is. Zuzdal brought all involved into his office to hash out any and all differences, and once the dust settled, Chief Lavin stated in so many words that he would run the point from then on. The ATF agents begrudgingly gave the lead to Lavin. It was half past seven when the last press conference was held. By then, the Columbia community had started down the long road to recovery. That night at the Janae Elementary School Auditorium, Terry Brewer, the East Greenbush Central School District Superintendent, discussed the matter in front of a packed house. The local press and members of the community bombarded Brewer and the panel with many questions ranging from the handling of the incident itself to how Romano was able to get the gun into the school in the first place. There were no definite answers given that night. It seems as though they were no different than those assembled. With that long-winded preamble out of the way, let's get on with breaking down the trial. As was established in the last episode, Patricia DeAngelis was the Rensselaer County District Attorney at the time. She was in a meeting with two people discussing the exorbitant cost of expert witnesses in the trial of Christine Wilhelm, whose drowning of her infant in a bathtub at her Hoosick Falls home will surely be the subject of a future episode of this podcast. 
She had mentioned in her thankfulness that she had no mental illness cases on the docket to the others in the room. No sooner did those words leave her lips when Joel Abelove, her deputy who has been in the news around these parts recently in regard to the Edson Thevenin shooting of 2016, also likely a future subject of this podcast, interrupted the meeting and told her about the shooting at Columbia High. DeAngelis abruptly ended the meeting and she and Abelove raced to the scene of the crime. While there, New York State Troopers provided her a video of the scene in order to have a record of where all the evidence was located should there be a trial. In both the shortest episode in the history of this podcast and the most anticlimactic ending of an episode thereof, the trial for all intent and purpose did not happen. Sorry for selling you short in the moment, but such are the facts. Before the trial was even set to begin, E. Stewart Jones, Romano's defense attorney and a big shot in the Capital Region legal community, sent a letter to DeAngelo stating that a 20-year prison sentence would, in his words, be, quote, illogical, unjust, and unfair, end quote. DeAngelis didn't rise up to the bait. She had set the term hard and fast for Romano to make a plea bargain. It would have been double that had the case gone to trial, and he would have faced a 30 to 40 year sentence. After stewing in jail for months on end, Romano finally ended the legal staring contest, blinked, and pled guilty before presiding Judge Patrick McGrath in Rensselaer County Court on November 23, 2004, just two days before Thanksgiving. Romano had already submitted a written statement confessing that he had committed the shooting that February morning, and in doing so, pled guilty to three counts of second-degree attempted murder and six counts of first-degree reckless endangerment for, according to the Troy record, engaging in conduct which created a grave risk of death to other people and showing indifference to human life, end quote. Romano was sentenced to the aforementioned 20-year prison term on December 22nd, Merry Christmas, and sent to the Auburn Correctional Facility west of Syracuse. He is eligible for parole next year. However, there is an interesting epilogue to all this in the case of John William Romano. Exactly 14 years and 5 days after the Columbia High incident, on February 14, 2018, 17 students were killed and as many injured in a shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. While in prison at the Coxsackie Correctional Facility in Greene County, Romano seized the opportunity to speak out against gun violence not only in schools in particular, but also taking the thousand-yard view. In a letter published in the Albany Times Union one week after the events in the Sunshine State, and in response to a column by Chris Churchill, Romano not only praised the Parkland students for finally taking action and demanding the U.S. Congress pass meaningful legislation, but also praised John Sawchuk, the assistant principal who forced him to give up the gun for saving his life. Furthermore, after his release on parole in 2021, Romano announced his intent to advocate for both mental health and gun safety reform. Well wishes to him in that regard. As this podcast episode comes to an end, your narrator would like to recognize William Patrick, curator of the website schoolshooters.info, and thank him for his rather exhaustive 195-page report on the shooting. I say the words rather exhaustive advisably, as a number of the appendices were missing, and thus would have provided more information for both of these episodes. Say lovey. Thanks for listening to this episode of CR Crime. 
the only podcast that deals with tales of true crime from New York's capital region. This podcast is written, produced, narrated, and edited by yours truly, Jason Bullitt, also host of the Keep It To Yourself podcast, of which this is an offshoot. If you like this podcast, you can review this and my other podcast, in fact, the whole feed, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or the podcatcher of your choosing. Or better yet, tell a friend and those in your circle. That's the best way that podcasts help get promoted and get more listeners. Until next week, stay safe out there. Bye-bye.